Hey folks, Duncan Kinney coming here and off the top with a bit of a fundraising pitch. It's September and we are still in the midst of our September fundraising drive and we've been blown away by the support. We even got a message from supporter Michael Jans that I just have to share with you. He tells me that he canceled his pet's health insurance to donate to Progress Alberta. Now, I don't know if that's real or not, but I did just have to share that with you. Uh, Jans uh, goes on to say that while his healthy indoor cat will be fine, he can't say the same about our province. There are thousands of children living in poverty that's only going to get worse for them under a Kenny government that's going to cut social spending to the bone. He loves how Progress Alberta speaks truth to power, and he wants us to hold this government to account. And Michael... I just want to say thank you for your donation and thank you for your faith in Progress Alberta. So go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons and become a monthly donor. $5 a month is our base ask. $15 a month gets you some sweet to-be-determined swag. And $30 a month gets you a sweet new t-shirt. And not just some t-shirt with the Progress Alberta logo on it. We've got a custom design riffing on the whole Unalbertan Activities Committee that you may have seen going around the internet recently. They're actually really cool and awesome. The goal here is 200 patrons. Right now, we're about a quarter of the way there. So again, head to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons and become a monthly donor. Thanks so much. Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're back in Treaty 6 territory, and today we're breaking down organized white supremacy like a beat-em-up side-scroller video game. Think Final Fight, Double Dragon, that kind of thing. We're going to start with the easiest, dumbest baddies at the beginning and end with the biggest and scariest villains at the end. And to do that this week, we have three amazing guests. In studio, we've got Katie Cutting, an Edmonton-based filmmaker and transgender activist. We've also got Bridget Sterling, a PhD student at the University of Alberta in education policy and a co-founder of Hate Free YEG. And on the phone, we've got Mac Lamaru, a local boy done good. He's a senior reporter at Vice, who's a full-time beat, is writing about white supremacy and people who want to create a white ethno state. And I'm sure Mac will be just fine in a few years from doing all this. Um, hello and welcome everyone to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us. Hi, Duncan. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So I think the easiest jumping off point for what is tentatively titled White Supremacist Dumbass Hour is Ryan Dean and what recently happened at Queer Flex here in Edmonton. Bridget, Katie, do either of you want to kind of just explain what happened and then we'll kind of go from there? Um, yeah. So Ryan Dean as one of the people who runs a white supremacist blog and he likes to make little posts Um poking at uh, basically whoever he hates that week. And this past week, he made a post about my friends over at Queerflex um, talking about how they're... And, and what is Queerflex? Queerflex is a, it's an LGBTQ plus um, gym, and uh, they do a lot of training around uh, accessibility for, for LGBTQ folks in the fitness world. Um, so, like, very... Uh, while they're they're doing a lot of work and they're they're based in some some great politics, they're also really mundane uh, from from that standpoint. These are people like doing bench presses and like push ups and things. Yeah, and like doing so with like a little sticker on their shirt that says, um, 
what is it? Strong bodies, tender hearts. So it's it's like it's a hippie gym, basically. It's great. And and what did Ryan do specifically? So Ryan wrote a post, um, essentially doxing them and targeting them, um, saying stuff along the lines of uh, queer flex being a um, a training. Uh, Antifa training ground. There we go. Yeah. Thank you for the wording. Um, And as a result, they decided that they were going to close their public um, or their group classes for for the time being, hoping to make sure that uh, they they weren't targeted because there have been a few incidents in the past with this individual showing up places and trying to be physically intimidating and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, and it it really represents an escalation of um, over the summer. I mean, we we've seen lots of activity from Ryan, especially I think over the the last year. But I mean, he's been pretty active locally in white supremacist circles for a while. But over the summer, we've really seen a ramping up of his targeting of LGBTQ folks in particular. Uh, he's been showing up to um, you know rallies in support of gay straight alliances in Alberta and um, doxing and harassing people who speak at those events or who appear at them and you know, uh, taking pictures of and harassing queer kids and, and all kinds of stuff that's been really kind of reprehensible in, um, in for whatever reason, that's his current trajectory is, is harassing queer folks. So this post goes up, Queer Flex shuts down um, for fear of their safety. And again, Ryan Dean is, is uh, from what I understand, most of his online identities and sites and pages have kind of been mass reported and he's scurrying about trying to create new ones. Mm-hmm. But Ryan Dean is, is a, a particularly spectacular example of, of white supremacist. And uh, what is it? Anti-Racist Canada has done a real, a lot of really good reporting on him. One post I think kind of describes him really accurately as just a glorious dumpster fire. Um, he has started and or been kicked out of or been associated with like eight or nine different white supremacist orgs, which kind of just speaks to how these things kind of have the half-life of a fruit fly. But I'm just going to list a few of them off right here. I don't know if any of these will ring a bell to you, Mac, but uh, let's just uh, let's list them off here. We've got the Canadian Combat Coalition, uh, an organization that he started and was then kicked out of. We've got the North American Freedom Fighters. He's a soldier of Odin. He's been a soldier of Odin at some point, at least he's claimed to be. Uh, He's a former member of the Guardians of Alberta. Uh, He's part of Ghost Squad Canada. And his coup two kind of like current projects that that I'm aware of are this Patriot Pride Canada-wide kind of blog and quasi-news site and the hilariously named clan with a C and two N's. Um, he is he is just a failure on kind of every level. And, and I think he's just been around for so long that people have just run into him kind of all over town. And I know you're from Edmonton originally, Mac. Don't you have a bit of personal experience with this guy? I do, but actually I didn't get uh, to know Ryan Dean until I moved to Toronto to take my job with Vice. Uh, He kind of came onto my radar after I did this kind of in-depth investigation into the Alberta Threepers in 2017. And he never really kind of was able to join the Threepers. He was a little bit too much of a (laughs) loose cannon to join, like, the anti-Muslim brigade of Alberta. But... 
so what he did in order to kind of like defend their honor well i don't know if he did so i'll say this what patriot pride canada wide which he's kind of like the sole guy behind but again i don't know if it was for sure him they kind of mocked up some images it was, i think it was a global news headline and it was a city news headline that said that i was arrested for sexually assaulting a minor and then they sent that around to kind of like my family uh and it got back to one of my cousins and at on christmas one of them was like what are you uh we need to talk about something and i was like oh is it uh is it about like the sexually assaulting a minor stuff andre and he was like yeah and i was like okay yeah no that's uh that's not that's not correct uh jesus christ yeah he's uh he's an interesting guy that i have had some run-ins with the past he doesn't like me and you know, I kind of look at him as like one of the goofier, the more I I kind of start reporting on darker and darker things within kind of this white nationalist neo-Nazi movement, the more I kind of like view him as a sideshow. But like what he did at Queer, Queer Flex is having real impact on people. So you can't really just write people off like I suppose I'm doing a little bit with people like Ryan Dean. No, I mean, he's a, he's clearly a fuck up just as a person, um, but he can also be quite dangerous. He can also make people's lives a lot fucking worse, even just with his usual, just by being a fuck up. And and I think something that's worth bringing up in this context is, is Anti-Racist Canada, the kind of online blog collective, which has a lot of good reporting on Ryan Dean. Um, and I've seen this said otherwhere on other places online too is that he does have a history of domestic violence domestic abuse and that is a huge red flag when it comes to people who are who can possibly commit violence in the future so i I think that is something that like we just all have to be aware of and that he is it's really easy to make fun of this guy and he is just like a like a really stupid doofus terrible person but like he's also got uh, a domestic violence thing on his on his record and that's something that we should be aware of one thing i think we also have to talk about is and this is perhaps a wider discussion beyond Ryan Dean is just the queer phobia that's kind of embedded within white supremacy, right? Like organized white supremacy views gender roles in this extremely rigid way, right? Bridget, like men and women are supposed Mm -hmm. to be doing one thing and one thing only. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a huge amount of, um, sexism within white supremacy right and 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 it's it's a queer phobia so it's about a queer phobia comes into it because it becomes very strongly about gender norms um but we also see a very strongly ascribed role for women um that we see dating back into very early fascist movements right women are supposed to be uh producing babies and caring for the home and women are to be preserved and protected as the the future of the race and all of this kind of um rhetoric um, so what you see is all of these things that come out of that, like trad wife things and stuff like that, this behavior. So, and you do see a strong relationship between that and domestic violence as well. Um, domestic violence is one of the predictors for escalation for, for white supremacists. And if you take a look at um, the pattern that Ryan Dean has of targeting people, it's very often targeting queer folks and women, right? You very, you don't see him often going after the biggest, toughest guys in groups. It's often trying to pick at women, um, uh, queer folks, or men as he that he perceives as, in whatever way, not as masculine as he thinks he is, right? So it, it becomes a sort of masculinity aspect to, to what's going on, and that's that's quite normal in white supremacist movements where. You've even seen groups like uh, Soldiers Voting and Northern Guard split over whether or not women should be involved, right? Where women, the perception of whether or not women even have a place in, in leading movements. 
And Katie, you were saying your friends have had run-ins with, with, with Dean and his ilk before, right? Yeah, so both uh, through doxing, I have uh, at least two other people I know quite well who've been doxed by him in the last three months on his uh, on his blog. And then, you know, running into him in the streets, whether it's at um, rallies and, active, and uh, actions or whether it's him coming out to specific closed events and trying to be an intimidating um, physical presence, um, it really does seem to be that... Um, I guess I, I get this feeling that he's this kind of guy who gets obsessed about one person for a short period of time, um, thinks that everyone needs to pay attention to that person, he's going to blow them up, um, and then someone else gets his attention, and he'll see a news story about someone or whatever it is, and he's going to go after them, right? So he doesn't seem to have any staying power, but... Because his activity seems to be escalating and because we do have this history of violence against partners, um, it really makes me wonder, like, how many of these focuses until either an opportunity presents itself for violence against someone or whether or premeditated violence. Like, yeah, as as somebody who's been doxxed by him, one of my bigger concerns is not something really premeditated and planned, but whether I encounter him in the street. Mm. Yeah, and it's also worth pointing out that yeah, earlier this year or late later last year, I can't remember the exact date, but but Ryan Dean and uh, Tyson Hunt, former soldier of Odin, now an Odin type guy, they staked out Al Rashid Mosque and they were harassing worshippers outside. And one of them, I think, one of them actually went inside, and uh, yeah, they got. I believe visited by the cops for that, but there was never any actual consequences. Anyways, uh, Ryan Dean, a huge fuck up, glorious dumpster fire, uh, failure of as a human being and as a white supremacist, but still uh, keep an eye out for him. The Ryan Dean likes to hold himself up as this media figure, right? And, and the Patriot Pride Canada wide, he kind of views as this reporting project. And, and it really is a kind of common trope uh, when you look at white supremacist figures, right? We've got... Uh, Ezra Levant, we've got Faith Goldie, we've got Lauren Southern, we've got Andy No, we've got these people who have made a living, really, uh, um, kind of gaming the media and creating platforms for themselves where they're where they are uh, essentially mainstreaming white supremacy, Islamophobia, all these kind of terrible ideas. And it was extremely concerning to me when I saw just earlier this week the Globe and Mail giving Ezra Levant. Uh, a platform, uh, just a, an entire like thousand word column to sound off. Uh, Mac, did you see this? I did actually. Did you just see the new uh, story in Candleland where it, it came directly from the Globe and Mail's EIC who commissioned the story from Ezra? Jesus it wasn't even Christ. like an opinion editor, it was like the top guy. Um, I literally just kind of like before we opt on here read the headline and like the deck of that story, so I can't talk about it too in depth, but. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a problem from the top down at a lot of these places. We just saw it kind of happen at the Vancouver Sun as well. Um, but they've been doing it for quite a while. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think there's some quotes here. There's some tweets from Jesse Wente that, that I think went, went viral that I think is just worth repeating, right? Like, giving platforms to white supremacists doesn't mean you support free speech. It means you support white supremacy. And that's from Jesse Wente. I mean, I, I think... I think mainstream Canadian media is just wildly unprepared to deal with the rise of fascism here in Canada. And this is just like example number 7,000, right? This is a huge fucking blind spot. And 
and hearing out the bad ideas of white supremacists is just ultimately deeply misguided. They are not interested in debate. Their ideas are are abhorrent. They want to create a white ethnostate and deport and genocide all brown people. What they're using when you're giving them this platform is they're using that opportunity to organize and to recruit and disrupt society as it exists. And giving them a platform to do that is the wrong fucking thing to do. And that's that's where I feel. I don't know how you two feel about it. but Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I've had this same frustrating conversation over and over again with local journalists and how they cover um, white supremacist groups in the city is... Don't if you go to them and you ask them for a quote and you just report that straight up as some kind of balanced neutral quote. Um, you're first of all you're giving them a platform and second of all they're they're very you know they're they're not always very smart people but they're very cunning about the way they manipulate media and they're not going to tell a journalist the truth about what they're doing or what's going on with them. Um, so been trying to talk to local media a lot about talk to the people who are impacted by this stuff right talk about the effect that this has on people because. Otherwise, yeah, you're just giving them a platform to recruit and to normalize, too, because they don't always recruit people to their groups. But what they do is they kind of plant these seeds that say, well, maybe the soldiers of Odin are just a bunch of dudes who go and try to feed homeless people on the weekend. Maybe they're not really out trying to uh, to do this. And it's it's a longstanding strategy of white supremacist groups to do this kind of work. Um, and, you know, I think some of it comes from media that is becoming more right wing in the country. And it also comes from this sort of false balance thing that we see around so much reporting there's just this like lib brain mindset that just melts when faced with people who are not treating the system in good faith and and like just a couple of months ago reporters from every news outlet globe cbc global ctv boycotted a scrum with christian Phelan unless they let uh, someone from the rebel into that scrum it's like no you do not stand in fucking solidarity with the rebel they are they are literally organizing working to to, to to run you out of business and to destroy the entire order that you believe like politics and society should be structured around like like you are helping them uh you you have it just it still just blows my mind that like this this poisonous live mindset where it's like oh they're journalists they're doing journalism work i i i must stand in solidarity with them it just i can't i can't deal with it well, you look at the coverage of the yellow vest movement over the winter time where people were sort of in this surprise state after a few months. Oh, there's white supremacists there. And, you know, the white supremacy was there from the start, but it, it was covered in this bizarre way. Well, and I think, you know, you see it in the white or in the uh, yellow vest, but also in the Ezra Levant piece where um, media, mainstream media, and especially like. <laughs> The one, com- the one company we have in Canada for all of our media, um, essentially letting them provide watered-down um, far-right-wing beliefs. And, and then, oh, you're going to follow them back to their platform, and you start reading the platform, and that's where the, the far-right ideas come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so every time you platform them, you say, oh, you, you, give, you give audiences this opportunity to say, oh, these people are, you know, they've got some good ideas, right? Um, even reading Ezra's piece, um, one thing that came out to me was like, oh, yeah, this is written to basically rope in anyone who has a strong um, neoliberal upbringing and bring them in and say, "Hey, look, you know, we're 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 giving this balanced piece, but but really, it's just a way to get them into or get people into his 
into his oh my goodness outlet well, <laughs> there's, sorry there's a, go ahead sorry. there's a weird prioritizing of, of free expression over all uh, all other charter values that starts to go on around that too that I think even if we're having a conversation in a liberal society like why is free expression the only value that is worth defending? Mac, you went to journalism school. I went to journalism school. What is it about journalism school that poisons people's brains? I mean, maybe not just journalism school, but the profession itself that just poisons people's brains and makes them unable to see uh, what is actually fucking happening here. Well, it's such I mean, I might not be the right guy to ask because I don't really like the people in our profession all that much. I like there's individually. I like a lot of them, but like as a profession, it's so fucking circle jerky. Like it just we just love to pat ourselves on the back for kind of standing up and being like, oh, no, you, we need to let them talk. We, we know better than you guys. And we kind of love being the gatekeepers. Um, and I mean, sometimes we just need to shut the fuck up and realize that not free speech doesn't mean giving somebody a platform. Um, and also I think people need to get a lot more familiar with the idea of the Overton window, which is something that a lot of these guys are attempting to kind of push forward. Uh, when you have somebody like, I believe it was Mark Hecht, or I don't know how to say his last name was in the Vancouver sun who kind of put out that a rather abhorrent, um, screed against multiculturalism and diversity. Uh, when you have that, it kind of, everybody, looks at it and like, that's terrible, we can't have that. But you have somebody who comes up and kind of just pushes the line a little further, but not to that extent. And everybody's going to be like, well, you know what? It wasn't as bad as that that Mark guy they ran. Maybe we'll let them run this. And they're just slowly inching it towards, uh, kind of, in this case, further right. Um, and in terms of why journalists brains are broken is probably because it's a very elitist profession um i'm one of the only kind of people i know in this profession that kind of comes from like a blue collar background um a a lot of people are pretty well off well to do in this profession because it's really hard to make a goddamn living in it you need maybe some help um and so yeah I guess maybe that answer is it. I don't know. It's it. I wish I wish we were better is what I would say. I think we all wish that. But uh, it is it is a question that I think the profession and has to reckon with and deal with as as fascism kind of rises and these people continue to organize and they're in the streets and, and they're in our politics. Um, the next thing I think we is worth talking about is the uh, liquid cement milkshake heard around the world. That's right. We're talking about Andy No. Uh, Andy No, if you're not familiar with, he's attached to, or he was attached to, a website called Quillette. Uh, this is the world's kind of premier phrenology blog. Um, he uh, he made it into the news after he was hit with milkshakes and roughed up at a a rally. I can't. I don't know how you would characterize that rally. Uh, in Portland, where anti-fascists and fascists clashed in the streets. And he spun that incident into, I think, around $200,000 in a GoFundMe and like immense amounts of news coverage and was able to really manipulate the mainstream media into just giving him massive amounts of airtime and sympathetic coverage. Where where do we want to start with with a figure like him? I, I think he's again broadly, broadly emblematic of like kind of what's wrong with the journalism profession and how it covers white supremacy. But uh, but Katie, like, have you watched his footage at all? Are you familiar with his work? 
I haven't really seen any of his stuff yet, no. Um, but he's, he sounds, honestly, he sounds like like a straight across replacement for a lot of other people who want to do the same thing, you know? Um, yeah. For me, what's what the issue is, is not so much that he represents what's wrong with journalism, is that he represents this sort of wide-eyed, innocent, pseudo-innocent pretense of being a journalist at all, right? Like, he's not. Like, let's be really clear. It's not, he's not a journalist. He, he produces media, but, but this sort of, and we see this from a lot of these, these sort of right-wing figures as these pseudo-journalists that are, that are not really, and it gets used, and, and you know, to, to circle back a little bit, although not to spend too much time on it, but it relates back to the claims of people like Ryan Dean or another local hero, Jeff Sharp, um, to be journalists or media outlets of some sort that's, that's credible, that should get press passes, that should do all of these things, right? So it's this, it's, it's not really journalism, it's, it's grifting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think for sure. describing it as a grift is probably <laughs> one of the most accurate things you can do. I mean, speaking of pseudo journalists, I mean, I think this is the perfect time to bring up everyone's least favorite pseudo journalist. And that's someone who had kind of disappeared from public view for a while, had been pretty deplatformed. But uh, Faith Goldie is back in the news. Did everyone see this? Mm. Yeah, we live in hell. Yeah, we do live in hell. Hell is us. Um, yeah, I did not expect to see Faith Goldie become a regular, be making regular appearances in the federal election. But uh, one of her best friends, apparently, Justina McCaffrey, is running to be uh, an MP in somewhere in Ontario for the Conservative Party of Canada. Um, the Liberals dug up some video of them together and released it kind of in advance of a, of a campaign event with Justine, Justina McCaffrey and Andrew Scheer. And then bizarrely, just the other day, the Conservative Party of Canada was released some statement from Faith Goldie that she had had drinks with Justin Trudeau or something and had released a video of her like walking down the street with a microphone harassing him as proof. Mac, did you, did you see this? Yeah, actually, in terms of like the video of her and Justine uh, McCaffrey, somehow I had come across that like maybe a year ago, uh, just in terms of the research, because I, I just do a lot of reporting on the worst fucking parts of, you know, Canada. Uh, and it was blown, blown away when I found out that she was like a CPC candidate. I had no idea. And then I saw, I think it was Marion Monsef who pointed it out and like just my brain melted. Um but yeah, then I saw the recent kind of, I think it was Warren Kinsella who put it out and that Trudeau took, you know, Faith Goldie out for drinks at some sort of chateau in Ottawa. I don't know, some sort of fucking bourgeois fucking bar. But it, it it's kind of weird. And then the CPC essentially tweeted out, we'd love to see you fact check this for us. It's It's... You know, it's not good optics to be using Goldie as a source, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, it's, it's such a strange move to me. Like, I think they thought it was going to be like a little bit of like a gotcha clapback, but it doesn't look good for them, I don't believe. No... No, I mean it. It, does, it not only does it not only does it not look good; it is just actually bad. Um, yeah, that's, that's the term I was going for. Like, like Faith Goldie is Terrible. is like is just is not to be trusted in any way. She is a, a yeah. pure political operative who will say and do anything to make any kind of point. And so, yeah, 
it is it is seriously fucking uncool that she has been inserted into our federal election campaign for some fucking reason. And uh, yeah, we live in hell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was in Toronto and we just got over her running for fucking mayor here. And now we're just right back into having her inserted into some sort of election. And it's not like this election was fun to begin with. It just it brought it down to like from like negative 420 to like negative 469. It's oh, just, just wait. The, the whole rest of this podcast is mostly just like the connections to the federal election between white supremacists oh, and conservative parties. Uh, no, uh, producer Jim brought uh, this to my attention today, but... Oh, Lindsay, Lindsay Shepard, not Laura Southern. Sometimes I confuse them. I'm, I'm bad about that. Uh, they're both, their names start with L, I don't know. Uh, Lindsay Shepard uh, was door knocking with CPC candidate Heather Leung, who herself is an extremely problematic candidate and has said some pretty nasty and violent uh, anti-LGBTQ plus things. Um, yeah, Lindsay Shepard is also connected to this federal election campaign and also connected to the conservative party Canada, not, not even the like fringy PPC people's party of Canada, Max Bernier bullshit, but like the actual potential governing party of this Canada of this country has, has both, uh, Lindsay Shepard and, and, uh, uh, Faith Goldie attached to it. Um, I was, I was, uh, extremely unpleased when Jim told me about this, but, uh, yeah, this is the world we live in. It's the worst timeline. So I do want to bring up a little bit of something to brighten our day, and that's Andre Demise flipping off uh, PPC members or activists, whatever they were, outside of a debate and telling them to get in a car crash. I think we all just have to raise a glass and stand in solidarity with with uh, Andre Demise. He fucking rules. He's editor of McLean's. Um, made me quite happy to see that. And then uh, that's actually like the perfect response. Uh, media, if you're ever looking for what to do <laughs> when accosted by Nazis, uh, tell them to fuck off. Get in a car crash. Amen. <laughs> um, the, uh, the PPC that we would be remiss to not be doing this segment on the federal election and white supremacists and not be talking about the PPC, perhaps my like favorite story to come out of the PPC in the federal election is the candidate who was uh, kicked out of the party, outed from the party for uh, because he asked Max Bernier to denounce racism. Yeah. This, that's a wrong, that's the wrong way, right? Like, this is the opposite of what should be happening. Well, and the guys that he's leaving in there, it's not like he's leaving in just normal to do candidates he's kind of keeping in like people who believe in the illuminati and that like you know as my story came out today that have like doxed a muslim activist and called him a terrorist um yeah he he, the, uh, the guy was running for the ppc so i'm sure he was a little bit of a tool to begin with but if he's asking you to denounce racism he's probably one of the sharpest tool in the shitty shed is, I guess he would call this guy. Are you telling me that the PPC is not sending their best? Um, I don't think the PPC is sending their best. I, I, so you have written a bit about Billy Joyce, uh, a PPC candidate in Cape Breton. Um, why don't you delve into this? Um, uh, I would, I would even call him Ryan Dean esque character. He's not as. <laughs> pseudo-violent as Ryan Dean, I would say. He seems to be just kind of like a little bit of like a sad sack YouTube conspiracy theorist, 
but like what he's going on about is fucking wild um before i get into the crazier stuff like of course he's like because all of these guys are like virently anti-muslim virently anti-immigration and all that um but like we're to the point where that's almost boring to talk about which is like a pretty depressing fact of life but the one interesting thing like the thing that makes him stand out is i went through a few of his videos and like he was talking about how he broke down Justin Trudeau's speech that he gave during his father's funeral and was talking about how he was kind of giving some ums and stuff, how you would normally talk when you're nervous and how that means he was kind of glitching in and out because the Illuminati was controlling him uh, via mind control because they thought he was going to kind of out his pedophilia. Uh, in the same video, he talked about how the Order of Canada, because it has six and resembles the Star of David, how it's satanic, how the Ottawa logo, because it kind of has three sixes, looks like 666. This was just one video. The guy has almost 200, and he's, like, real into QAnon. He's really into, like, some of the wildest shit out there. Uh, And I believe my story came out on the same day they dropped this guy for asking him to denounce racism. And I reached out to the PPC several times, and they were just quiet they would not talk to me about this guy um and then he came at me on twitter which is always fun but yeah like they're running some interesting folks shall we say can i just say one of my worries as though that that they've now been given a place in the official debates and if you took it take a look at the cbc's story about that they talk about the riding level polls that gave them entry into the debates. And there are several writings in Canada where the PPC actually has a potential of winning. That that should worry all of us. Like that's, you know, it's like you said, like you get kind of tired of, of the over and over again hearing about how messed up these guys are. But the fact that unlike, you know, some of the other wing nutty extreme parties in Canada, the fact that they've been able to document that they have, they're polling it 25 to 35% in some ridings should be deeply alarming to all of us. I think, I think this actually points to like a little bit of a larger um, issue. I don't know if issue is the right word, but um, within the white supremacy movement where these people are really good at organizing. Um, if you look throughout the years at um, the movements in the U.S. and in Canada, um, they work really really well within the confines of bureaucracy and so like like you say it's it's terrifying to think that yeah these people have a chance um and one little ounce of legitimacy that they've gotten from from now being included in this debate is they're going to leverage that um and just i think very similarly to what happened here in alberta with um the I guess you could call the, the the PCs, the former PCs, moderate right compared to the UCP now. Um, you're you're going to see a similar move in federal conservative politics too, whether it's this election or the next. Um, it's coming, and I think it's the only way to stop it is to de- deplatform it now. But the PPC's only like the PPC's only going to push the CPC, the Conservative Party further right. Like I don't see any way that their gravity doesn't affect the discourse, the politics, Overton's window, however you want to frame it, right? Like this is this is what you're you're saying. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if we 
the longer these people exist and have platforms, um, the further and further to the right we're going to go. And it just opens us up to, you know, five years from now, well, centrism is going to look at the far right and go, oh, that's not so bad. And this, this question of deplatforming is, I think, essential to our chat today, right? Like, like there is just example after example of deplatform working. Milo. Right. I mean, well, what, what, what about Milo? Tell us about Milo. Oh, I, I just, I, I, I think it's really amusing. You, you've watched Milo Yiannopoulos go from having a massive platform, bringing in, you know, with with millions of viewers and bringing in tons of tons of money on his uh, Patreon and stuff, to now, uh, his his latest thing. He has sort of fallen down and down and down the ladder. You know, he showed up at the uh, Straight Pride event, which was a bit of a ridiculous thing but now he's been uh kicked out of a furry convention right like they, he's down to the level of like trying to get into furry conventions to spread his uh his message and he's even getting kicked out of there so i i just think it's a good example of like when you are so deplatformed that even these very niche communities um are saying yeah yeah no get get out you're you're not welcome here like i think it's but like it shows it it works Faith Goldie being, you know, run off Facebook, Proud Boys being run off Facebook, uh, Lauren Southern being run off Facebook, I think as well. And most of those people have been run off Patreon as well. Like, um, yes, like when we as a society decide that we do not want these people to have a platform, we can decide to take that platform away. And it's not a question of free speech. They can go and say and run out on the street corner and say whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, these Maybe things- the answer is to... Maybe the answer is to put the furries in charge. They mm. are pretty awesome. Maybe that's what we do. I'll follow the furries. That's what we do. Yeah. Hail yeah. to the furries. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Best Wolves of Odin blog. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll throw, oh, that yeah. In the, we'll throw that in the show notes. And Lemurt as well. The, the, the furries who overtook uh, Lemurt, the far right group in Quebec, they overtook their uh, Facebook page because they were the first ones. And now Lemurt is a, is a furry page. You uh, love to see it, I believe, is the phrase there. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we're standing for furries here. Yeah, we stand for furries, especially furries against fascists and Nazis. Yes. Um, Not the, the Nazi furs. No, I'm sure they exist, but they're just much less prevalent. In the movement, maybe, I mean, maybe. but but the, the one of the final things I think we got to close out with Mac is the scariest motherfuckers that are kind of out there right now, and that is you know the base, um, and really this the, the the one the way that the base has kind of entered mainstream Canadian discourse is through this uh, Canadian soldier named Patrick Matthews. Can you kind of walk us through? that story as well as kind of his uh, connections to the base and just why they are so uh, scary as an organization. You sure you don't want to talk about furries? Uh, well, let's close with furries. Let's come back to furries again. But, but okay. g- let, people do need to know about this because it, yes. it is like fucked up. <laughs> so essentially the base uh, was a group that um, uh, me and a colleague named Ben McCoo first started taking notice around the summer of 
2018. Uh, and we saw that they were kind of trying to do this thing that was unique within like the, the extreme, like the most right-wing neo-Nazi groups online, which is a very, very fractious ecosystem, was that they were trying to unite them. And we thought this was really interesting and like one of a kind and actually quite scary. So we were able to actually um, get ourselves inside the group's sort of inner workings we were able to get into their chat groups into like kind of their organizational structure and we did this big article investigative article last november and since then they started going quiet uh for a couple months but then they started ramping up again uh and going really really hard uh and they started putting up posters all over and one of the places they put up posters was in winnipeg and they kind of put up uh, an email on there and a local reporter for the Winnipeg Free Press, a man named Ryan Thorpe, who should get all the credit in the world um, as a journalist. He did an amazing job. Uh, he was able to kind of pass the vetting, as Ben and I did a while back, uh, talk to the, the founder on the phone uh, and then actually organize a in-person meetup, which was something that I've never been able to do. Uh, and there he met up with a man who we would... Be, we would learn is Patrick Matthews, who is a Canadian Army reservist. Uh, and now these groups are accelerationists. These are people that kind of want terrorist activities to accelerate a race, a race war uh, in which the whites will then kind of seize an ethno state. Uh, what they believe, because as I said, they're trying to unite the most extreme right, kind of varies here and there. But the main thing that separates these people from kind of like... I, I guess like the Ryan Deans and like the other people of the world is the fact that they're kind of taking terrorism very, very seriously. They've been linked to actual murders. Adam Waffen Division, which is a very similar group, was linked to five murders in 2017 alone. Um, and they've been linked to kind of targeted bombings, like attempted targeted bombings of synagogues. And so what happened when Ryan Thorpe did this kind of investigative series of stories um, with the Winnipeg Free Press about Patrick Matthews and the base uh, was that kind of everything blew up for this this Matthews guy, this Corporal Master Corporal Matthews, and he was kicked out of the army. Uh, and last we heard, his truck was found about a kilometer away from the U.S. border. This was a couple weeks ago, and he's been missing, and we don't know where he is. I mean, like like, we know that uh, in the state to the south, Ben and I know that the base is active there. But, you know, also they could find his body in the woods or it could be something like that. We don't know where he is, but it is not great that he's missing at this moment. Um, but this, and that's, the, I, I, this, yeah, group takes, this group takes, like the apocalypse and the training and everything kind of very seriously, right? Very like they're seriously. very much about guns. Yeah. They're very much about bombs. They're very much about sabotage. Yeah. Um, they host these things called hate camps, which they go and they practice kind of paramilitary style training. They share kind of uh, chemical and bomb making weapon tips. Uh, they pass on manuals that you can't really get online. Uh, and they kind of plan, plan stuff out. Uh, and what these guys are really pushing for is something that comes from this book 
uh, Siege, which kind of makes like the Turner Diaries look like fucking Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, it pushes for lone wolf terrorist activities, which is kind of what we've been seeing within like, I'm not saying that like the guy in Christchurch was a member of this group, but like that's kind of lone wolf terrorist activities, trying to accelerate something, right? Um, and that's what makes these guys so frightening is like, it could just be one member. It could be the group. They could, could just be one. Most of them could be kids that are fucking LARPing, but one of them could be a sick person and then walk into a Quebec city mosque and kill six Muslims. You know, it's, they're very, as somebody who covers this, they're very, very scary. And we have to take them very, very seriously. Yeah. I mean, whenever, when you first broke that story, I mean, I was extremely concerned and, this uh, Patrick Matthews, this this reservist. I mean, and, and the, one of the most troubling things is just how embedded they seem to be within the military and police yeah. as well, right? And yeah, we found uh, Adam Waffen member actually another reservist in Nova Scotia not too long ago. Um, which Adam Waffen, as I mentioned, is kind of a sister brother sister group to the base. So we, we found it's it's more than once they've been found within the CAF. Yeah, can we keep talking about furries? <laughs> I told you. I told you, man. Uh, I know. Yeah, All right. it's, well, it's dark. I um, mean, I could keep I going mean, on with ju- these guys, but... No, no, I think that's enough information for the audience out there. <laughs> enough, enough information for me, anyways. Uh, but I think this is just the, like... The broader question that I think Canada has to reckon with is that, like... Like comedians or bitumen honey beaver pelts canada's uh, one of the world's leading purveyors of hate both like online and offline right when you look at stefan molina lauren southern faith goldie ezra levant <sighs> lamut soldiers of odin threepers you know the base adam Waffen, these groups they are here in Canada, they are strong. They are organized. Like Katie was saying, like the most frightening, one of the most frightening things is just how good they are at organizing, how much time and effort they spend at, at both going out and recruiting new people and building bonds within their, their own movement. And that this is a problem, you know, we need to fix. Um, you know, this is a mostly been a media focused conversation. And I think that's quite fair. This is Mac is a media person. Progress Alberta does a lot of media work. Um, and there are a whole host of like anti-fascist tactics that are out there that are effective, that are available. Um, that's not necessarily what we want to go over here in the final like five, 10 minutes of this podcast, but just know that those resources and those people exist out there. But when it comes to the media side of things, um, again, like deplatforming these people, I mean, again, going back to the, the silliest and most ineffectual example at the beginning, but like Ryan Dean is whack-a-mole with like, he keeps creating new accounts, but he's just so like clearly odious and so obviously hateful that like if 20 people report him to whatever blog spot or Twitter or whatever, he just, he just, he just gets canceled. Well, I think, I think media is an important piece of the conversation. I also, um, have concern about the legitimization within our organizations that allows people to get credibility in the media. Like Mark Hacked wouldn't have gotten that column in the Vancouver Sun if he wasn't 
teaching at Mount Royal University, right? Jordan Peterson would not have the platform he has if he was not a professor at U of T. Like, these things are within our universities. We see ID Canada and groups like this organizing there. And so, like, I think we also, like, we have to address how media believes these people, but part of that is the credibility that they've gotten whether within these institutions, right? Whether it's within our universities, Canadian forces, police organizations, all of these, right, is that... that Deplatforming is about more than deplatforming in the media. It's about addressing where these things take place in all of our institutions. Um, and that's one of the reasons that Canada is such a big exporter of it. It's more than just the, credi the, you know, the credulity of journalists. Definitely. So I think where I kind of want to end this off on is like, who should we be following? Who should we, who should we be supporting? Especially on the media end, like who's doing the work? Um, I mean, I'm going to throw out a couple names, but let's just popcorn style this here. Like, I think Anti-Hate Canada and Evan Balgord is doing a really good work. Um, I, I, I look at Yellow Vests Exposed mm -hmm. and their various platforms that they're on. They're doing really good work. You got any names, Mac? Uh, one of the names that I kind of wanted to say was a guy named Robert Evans, who he's a, he's actually a former cracked writer, uh, but he's been doing really, really good work uh, on conflict journalism, both in Syria and in uh, the States. Uh, and he just released a free audiobook called The War on Everyone, which kind of traces uh, fascism and white nationalism and white supremacy throughout uh, kind of Western society to kind of show how it's a long lasting thing. It's not something that just kind of popped up with Trump. Uh, and that the kind of terrorist na terroristic nature to it isn't new. Um, and it's just a really good, informative, free listen that uh, I would highly recommend. Yeah, actually, it's one of my... F I loved that. I mean, also found it terrifying. It's great, eh? I found, yeah. I found it terrifying, but also adored it. It was so good. I think the mm -hmm. Anti-Racist Canada blog definitely needs a big shout-out. I know I definitely leaned oh, on yeah. it for researching uh, this blog, and they've been going for, like, a long ass time like that's the respect um to to everyone involved in that project i, I also think uh, broadly speaking you just got to support your local anti-fascist organizers the people who are getting people out to meet these people in the streets are just doing hard ass work and you need to be nice to them and recognize them and buy them dinner and do all of the things that need to be done um and that broadly speaking being anti-fascist is uh, good and correct and not being anti-fascist means that you are in fact a fascist I want to sh no, sorry I want to shout out to one other really fascinating podcast that is not really explicitly about the far right but I think is doing some good work in understanding the roots of some of these things which is a pod called Know Your Enemy that really explores some um, sort of the history and legacy of right-wing thought that if you kind of want to understand where these groups are coming from and what motiv motivates them it's a fascinating listen it kind of academic but super good um i think kind of on the on the trail of um making sure you're supporting your local anti-fascists um is also support your local community initiatives and make sure that they know that you want them to be outwardly antifa um the more of these community orgs that we have that are coming forward and saying no this white supremacist movement is not okay um, the less of an issue it will be for them to then turn around and try to dox people like Queerflex. Um, if all of the orgs in a given city are openly Antifa, you can't point to one and say, oh, they're so, so left-leaning, right? No, agreed. 
I think I would that... kind of say support. You, you can probably go out there and find a journalist in probably every city that's doing kind of similar work to what I do. Uh, Omar uh, Mous. Oh, I'm gonna fuck his last name up terribly. Omar Mousel. Is that am, am I getting it right? Mosley. Mosley. Yeah, he's doing fantastic work in Edmonton, and you're gonna find like Ryan Thorpe in Winnipeg. Whereas a whole media is pretty shitty, uh, you're gonna find some younger journalists that are actually pushing it and doing really well. Uh, and it's not. I'm, I'm in that position, and I'm in a pretty privileged position when it comes to kind of anti-fascist reporting. Um, but it's not that easy to do it at a local paper. So if you have that guy in your city, you should, or girl, or them, just you should support them for sure. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that's a fantastic place to wrap it up. Um, Bridget, how can people find you online? How can people support Hate Free YEG? What's, give, give us the details. Yeah, for sure. Well, you can find Hate Free YEG all over social media, um, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And we've got a website that lists some of the orgs that we uh, that have signed on to us. Um, so, yeah, so check us out, Hate Free YEG, uh, on Twitter, or Facebook, uh, Insta, and uh, HateFreeYEG.com. And uh, then you can find me personally at uh, on Twitter at Bridget Sterling. Awesome. Katie, where can people find you online? Do you have anything to shout out as well? Yeah. Um, so best way to find me is either Katie Cutting or Lazy Kitten Productions on Facebook. I am on Instagram at, at the laziest kitten, um, but I'm barely ever on Instagram. So hit me up on Facebook. You can also email me. Uh, we'll get that in the show notes. And I do want to give a uh, shout out to two orgs that are doing some amazing anti-racist work here in Edmonton, um, Shades of Color and Rarica Now. Um, I've done quite a bit of work with both of these organizations and the people who are running them are amazing. They deserve all of the love in the world. And honestly, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of community work Internally, while they're uh, while they're also fighting racists, so huge shout out to them. Check them out, support them. Okay, one thing I do want to plug is because um, I'm a big nerd about doing things in schools because I'm in education policy. Is a really cool toolkit from the Western States Center called Confronting White Nationalism in Schools. Uh, we know a yeah, lot we of this. Yeah, we almost got through it. A lot of this stuff is happening among, um, you know, especially among young men who are getting. Uh, radicalized and pulled into this stuff and anything we can do in our schools to resist is really really helpful so um, if you're in education or if you care about kids and you want to talk to people at your uh, child's school check it out awesome and mac how can people find you online how can people support your work uh yeah you can find me on vice.com or just at my name, uh, Mac Lamoureux, M-A-C-K-L-A-M-O-U-R-E-U-X. Uh, I'm probably going to be tweeting mainly about the Oilers for the next eight to nine months, but every now and then I'll probably put in... You're a Flames fan. Go fuck yourself. Uh, but every now and then I'll be putting in some of my stories and stuff like I'm that. I'm a Raptors uh, fan. Come on. Man, I'm the only Torontonian in this podcast right now, so... <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh, that... that is almost wraps it up. I mean, I, I definitely have to do my final closing bits here. Um, if you do like this show uh, and you want more people to listen to it, we really appreciate it. If you would leave a review, if you can tell your friends, text it, share it, email it. Word of mouth is really the best way to get the word out and to build audience. 
Um, again, just, just straight up text your friend. If you like this podcast and you're listening to it right now and be like, yo friend, listen to this podcast. It's really good. Uh, it's also September, which means we are in the middle of a fundraising drive. We are looking for 200 patrons. That is 200 people who can kick in at least $5 a month. So we can keep this podcast and our email newsletter and all of the other things that progress Alberta does going. So if you have the ability to help out there, go to the slash patrons, put in your credit card, sign up for a little monthly contribution, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you have, have any notes, thoughts, comments, hate mail, things I need, think things you think I need to hear, I am on Twitter at Duncan Kinney, and you can reach me by email at Duncan K at progressalberta.ca. Thanks to Cosmic Famicommunist for the amazing theme. Thanks for listening, and goodbye.